0: Reading today is in Matthew 11, verses 2 through 11. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And they went away. Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the very word of God.
1: amen it is great to be here today to be here with my friend ben and his family what an honor to have heather read scripture before i get to preach that's just god just blesses me in so many neat and surprising ways he just surprises me constantly he blindsides me with his goodness and his grace I always enjoy being at Crosstown. Part of that's that Ben is such a, a good friend. and so kind and gracious. Um, man, how can you not preach after, after being welcomed by that? But, but certainly in all humility. But it's not just Ben and his bunch. I always enjoy being around you folks when I get the opportunity. The staff, the elders, uh, deacons are always very welcoming. It is just good to be with you this morning. My wife and I... As, as Ben said, it's been a month since we got back. Um, spending three and a half months overseas, I'm going to say that it's just different if you spend a long time and come back because my mind and my body, in fact, I told my wife about a week ago, I said, you know, my, my head is just not right. And she said, I know, but don't tell anybody else. And I thought, yeah, you're right, but they probably already know. If they've been around me, I don't, it doesn't, doesn't take me saying it. I choose to think that it's because I was there longer rather than I'm just older. When I realized what you were saying about a couple of older friends, a little older, and then you said, you, no, no, it's a lot older. I, I am definitely older. But I am uh, I'm thrilled, thrilled to be back. We taught English as a second language. Well, <laughs> we started calling it English as a second language, uh, mostly it was university students that we were teaching through the Baptist Center in Grand in, uh a, That's a neighborhood in Dakar, Senegal. Uh, mostly university students, and most of them speak at least three, four, five languages. So we quit calling it English as a second language. We speak English and we're struggling with French. In fact, we, uh, we worked hard to learn a little French going. We used Duolingo. Anybody Anybody familiar with that? Duolingo, you can learn to say "I am a horse" in many different languages. Not very helpful, but at least you can you can say say something. So we worked really hard. So we speak English and 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 massacre the French language, and we're teaching English to students that speak uh, three and four languages. So we started calling it uh, English for international learners, and that that made us feel a little bit better. And got to go to church. So uh, we we lived in a separate part of town, but. We would go see our kids and grandkids on the weekends and, uh, and then go to church with them at an international church where they were, were active. So we had a great time. We're glad to be back. No, we did not bring the heat with us. It was not this hot in Dakar, Senegal. So uh, we're to, we're to, I think it, I think it emerges from Oklahoma. We get it. It starts here, bubbles up from the ground. Um, Heather thank you for reading that passage of scripture Jesus said in Matthew eleven eleven, truly I say unto you those born among those born of women there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist Jesus said that up to that time that there was nobody greater in the kingdom of God nobody greater than John that stirs me it makes me wonder What was it that made him so great? What was it about John? What was it about his ministry that caused him to be so great? Now, I think there are a couple of things that maybe we need to deal with in verse 11 before we move on to the the primary study of how to be great for God. Number one, he's called John the Baptist because he baptized people. I don't know if you got that in Sunday school or catechism, but it's because he baptized people, not because he was a Baptist. Baptists like to claim him, but sorry about that. It's not no Baptist church, so if that, if that hurts your little denominational heart, I apologize. I'm, I'm super Baptist, but, uh, but I, I'm eager to claim, I'm eager to, to understand and recognize. He was John the baptizer because he baptized people as a result of their repentance from sin. The second thing that I want to point out about verse 11 is, Jesus said, the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. We don't, there are people that claim they know what that means and maybe they do maybe they have a special revelation but really if you read if you study there are a variety you come up with a variety of interpretations about exactly what that means most of those come to the conclusion that it has some reference to jesus having completed god's redemptive purpose through through him through christ John would not live to see Jesus crucified or to see Jesus victoriously raised from the dead. John would not live to see Jesus ascending back into heaven. And he would not experience that indwelling, filling, completing of the Holy Spirit for all believers. He would not experience any of those. So from that perspective, John missed that. Jesus, I think, is saying in some way that everyone from the resurrection of Jesus Christ forward, experiences a greatness that John could only, well, no, John could not even imagine. Now, in the context, and I'm going to back this up just a little bit, I probably will step back and fall, but I realize I'm spewing a bit. And and, and uh, the Jensen family is so graciously here in their masks and I just don't want to assault them with any of my, you know, so I started to say bodily fluids, but that wouldn't sound good, so I'm not going to say that. Yeah, my, that's, at that point, my wife would be going. Oh. Um, in the context of a word of encouragement this morning, um, really based on our prayer time and, and our worship so far, I just want to say to you. If you are in Christ, if you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, not, not that you have prayed a prayer necessarily, not that you have baptized, been baptized even in a Bible teaching congregation, but if you have truly received Jesus Christ as your Savior and made Him the Lord of your life, by virtue of being this side of the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, and the coming of the Holy Spirit, by virtue of Just of the time you live, if you have fully trusted Jesus Christ, God's confession about you is that you are great in the kingdom. You can get a little prideful about that, or that can just bring humility washing over you. Because I, standing in front of you, when I think that God says, I am great, I am broken in humility because I know how miserable I am. But Jesus said, Among those born of women there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. That causes me to ask the question, Why did Jesus make this statement about John? What, what was it that made John so great? Now, I know you're at Matthew 11, or probably still at Matthew 11, but you just turn over a little bit in your scriptures to John chapter 1. Again, one of those little catechism issues we're going to the Gospel of John, which was written by the Apostle John, the brother of James, not by John the Baptist. Oh, excuse me, John the Baptizer, not written by John the Baptizer. But John the Apostle did talk about John the Baptizer in, in some unique ways. And I think it helps. It's not the total answer. I, I don't claim to have all the answer, and certainly not in the time constraints of our, of our time of study this morning we can't dig out there's no way to dig out everything that made John great but I'm looking for three handholds three little things that I can grab hold of that I know were part of the prescription part of that some of the ingredients to Jesus saying John was great in the kingdom of God the first is in John chapter 1 we're gonna read verses 19 through 23 but verse 23 really is the the essence it it is the answer to that so in John chapter 1 verses 9, starting with verse 19 and this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him who are you he confessed and did not deny but confessed I am NOT the Christ and they asked him what then are you Elijah he said I'm not are you the prophet another prophet that was supposed to come before Messiah came are you the prophet and he answered no So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? In verse 23, he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. First, John's mission made him great. If we're looking for those characteristics, those ingredients, those things about John that made him great, one of those is his mission made him great. His mission was to prepare people for a life-changing encounter with the Messiah, we know as Jesus Christ. John 1.23, John said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. John's mission was to prepare people to meet Jesus, to prepare the way, to make the way straight. In John 1.19-22, through 22, the religious leaders asked John who he was. They wanted to know, was he the promised Messiah? Why was he preaching the way he did? Why was he saying the kind of things he said? And as much as that, why were the crowds flocking to him? They needed to know what was going on. Who are you? Are you the promised Messiah? No. Well, then are you Elijah or the other prophet? No. By the way, Jesus said, John is the Elijah that is to come, not not a reincarnation of Elijah, but in the spirit of Elijah. But John, in his context, he didn't understand that. He's, he's just a preacher. He's just a voice. He's a nobody to him. Are you Elijah or the other prophet? No. So they asked then, who are you? And he answered with the statement of his mission, his purpose statement. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Get ready. Messiah is coming. Jesus Christ. That leads me to ask then, if, if you have an interest in being great for God other, other than or in fulfillment of that grace gift God has given you in calling you to salvation and eternal life. If you want to be great for God, what is your mission? What is your purpose? If you want to be great for God, it should be that same same as that of John, preparing people for that life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? Well, one way is to pray for those that are spiritually lost. As Ben said a while ago in, in our prayer time, God hears the prayers of the of his people. I can't overstate that. God loves when his people pray. And I believe even more, God loves when people pray with an awareness of his heart desire. And we know that God loves the lost. We know that God's desire is that lost people spiritually lost come to salvation and a knowledge of the truth. So when we pray for lost people to come to a knowledge of Christ and to surrender themselves completely to him, we know that we're praying in agreement of God. How often do you do that? How often do you pray knowing I know God wants to answer this prayer? A lot of times I'm praying kind of in the blind. I'm, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, give me, give me understanding, give me wisdom, help me to know what it, how I'm supposed to pray for this sick person or this person who's going through a particular challenge in life. So so the question, does God want to immediately heal or is God working a refining process in their life or is God working in a bigger picture that I can't even imagine through connections and relationships where God wants to work a transforming work in other people's lives and this person is at the center of that work? (sighs) My head almost explodes sometimes just asking, Holy Spirit, How am I supposed to pray? And here, we know the answer. God wants the lost to be saved. 2 Peter 3, 9. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's desire is that no one be separated from him. We are his creation, and his desire is that all his creation come to redemption. So when we pray for the lost we know that we're praying in agreement with god we know he hears our prayers we know his desires to answer those prayers another way that we can help people to have that to prepare for that life-changing encounter is is just simply acts of kindness doing good things for others and and crosstown has been one of the poster children on the wall of my life for trying to connect with community in fact I mean, Ben and I haven't talked for a while, and like I've been out of the country. I can't, rem- I can't remember my wife's name. That's about as far as it oh, goes. I mean, things are just a little scrambled still as we try and get back into the central daylight savings time zone. Uh, so I, I struggle sometimes with, with knowing all that's going on. But, but one of the things, one of the reasons Crosstown is, is here is because this church has a heart for this community. You ought to be transformative in the community that you might live out the gospel, that people might see that and respond to that life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. When we serve other people, when we do good things for other people without expecting anything in return, people notice that there's something different about us. We are helping to prepare the way for them to meet Jesus as Savior. There, I'm sure there are other ways, uh, to to for God to use us to prepare people to encounter Jesus Christ. But certainly those two, prayer and acts of kindness or ministry in Jesus' name. Those are a couple of great ways. What what? How was John great for Jesus? Number one, his his mission was to prepare people for a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ the second way John was great for God John's message made him great John 129 look at that these things took place in uh, excuse me uh, verse 29 the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world his message was simply look there he is John's preaching one day and his his John John was a hard, strong preacher. He pre his message was one of repentance of sin and baptism as a result of, of repentance. And he was a he was a strong, bold preacher. He he preached that people should stop sinning, that they should take that take a, a, an immediate step of following him in immediate baptism. I mean, you know the story. He wore camel's hair and a leather belt. He ate out of the wilderness, locusts and wild honey, what was available in the wilderness. He was a strange guy and had a a reputation. And when they came to hear him, he was a, well, (laughs) I'm going to show my age, but he's what we used to call a turn or burn preacher. Turn or burn! Yeah, I mean, he was a hard, fiery preacher. And, and he even said, some of the religious, Jewish religious leaders came and they said, well, we want to be baptized. And he said, why do you come, O brood of vipers? He called them snakes. But on this day, he looked and he saw Jesus coming toward him. He'd, he'd already experienced the, the, uh, the experience of baptizing Jesus. He'd seen the Spirit of God come rest upon Jesus in the form of a dove. He'd heard the witness from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He had seen that, and on this day, he's preaching this fiery, powerful message of repentance, and he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he simply gave witness, testified, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If we're going to be great for God, we have to do more than, than just prepare people for that encounter. That's important, and it's significant, but we need to introduce people to Jesus. We have to verbalize our witness of the gospel. This is the gospel, that God loves us and has a wonderful plan for our lives. We're all sinners, and we have corrupted that perfect plan, and and so our sins have separated us from God. But Jesus loves us and died for us that we might be forgiven, that we might be set free and have eternal life. Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. He was crucified in a sacrificial death. He rose again victorious over death. He ascended into heaven where he waits for that, that word, that command to return as king and lord over all creation. And if we will simply put our faith in Jesus Christ as savior and make him the lord the boss of our lives and he will forgive our sins and give us eternal life i pastored for years before i came to a denominational position ultimately of serving as a associational missionary here at capitol baptist association and during my pastorate i i would hear people occasionally comment well i just let my life be my witness i live out my faith i get up every sunday morning and i drive off to church and i I try, to, I try to live an honest and a godly life so that people will know. I just let my life be my witness. Sometime ago, I was talking to my, my brother about this, about you know, is, is it sufficient for us to just let our life be our witness. He told me about a friend he had who was, uh, who was a Christian and was striving to live a godly life. One day, a man came to the friend and said, I noticed that there's something different about you and the way you live. Are you a vegetarian? <laughs> the uh, the guy noticed a difference in the man's life, but didn't, he didn't know what that was. He didn't have a context for it, and he thought maybe the difference was that the friend didn't eat meat. If we don't tell people why we're we're different, if we don't tell people about how Jesus makes a difference in our lives, they won't know. And they might just come to the conclusion that it has to do with our, what, our diet or some, some book we've read or something. We've got to verbalize with the message of salvation. And then the final thing. So first, his, message made him, his mission made him great. Then his message made him great. And then the third one, his attitude made him great. Okay, so if you need the alliteration to feel complete this morning, you can write down motive. I don't think motive is as strong as the word attitude or as apical as the word attitude, but if you need need it to complete yourself this morning, then put down motive. But his attitude made him great. Look at John chapter 3, verse 30. John 3, 30 simply says, he must increase, but I must decrease. John and the disciples of Jesus were, were both baptizing in the same area in the context of of this, the, the disciples of John, the disciples of Jesus had come together at a place called Anon simply because there was plenty of water. It was a wide, deep place in the Jordan River. It was a good place to baptize people. And so Jesus and Jesus' disciples are baptizing, and John is baptizing. And John's disciples get into a discussion with a an, an, a man about purification and then. And then John's disciples come back to John, come rushing back, and they say to him, that one you testified about, talking about Jesus, that one you testified about is baptizing and everybody's going to him. I suspect the disciples were jealous of the crowds that were going to Jesus. Maybe they were upset, maybe they were just confused. But John responded, you know that I said, I am not the Christ. John had clearly testified that he was not the Messiah, that this Jesus was the one sent from God. He was the Savior. He was the promised Messiah. And he may not have understood all that was happening. The crowds that were coming to hear him now are going to hear Jesus. Even some of his own disciples had left following him to go follow Jesus. And it could have been a little confusing. It could have been a little struggle of ego. I don't know many men that don't struggle with ego. And so he's got all this going on, but what was his response when the disciples said, yeah, but everybody's going to him? He responded with these words, he must increase, but I must decrease. He responded with an attitude of humility. Humility. Humility means that we don't have a, we, we don't think of ourselves more highly than we should. And we need to remember, we need to remember that God is God and we are not. That's a motto I have to I have to remind myself of a lot of times when there's when there are struggles around me. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. 1 Peter 5 5 and 6 says clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble humble yourselves therefore under god's mighty hand that he may lift you up i hope you caught those words god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble if you needed a reason to exalt christ and to bring yourself into into check when Pride and ego, ego struggle for recognition and applause and all of those things. If you need, if you need a good reason to combat that, it is in these words that God opposes, God stands in opposition to the proud, but he extends grace to the humble. But John's humility was more than some kind of fateful recognition that. Jesus is the greater one. It's, well, it's just the way it's got to be. I got to force myself. Look at look at John three twenty nine, the the verse just before the one we've already read. John said, "The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hear him, hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete." John compared his relationship with Jesus as a friend of the bridegroom. He said, I'm the friend of the bridegroom. In other words, I'm the best man. The the best man doesn't get the bride. The best man doesn't get the honeymoon. And in fact, if there's some five or six-year-old ring bearer, he doesn't even get to hold the ring and nobody pays any attention to him. But John said, he rejoiced. He, He rejoices at the bridegroom's voice. And then he said, this joy of mine is now complete. John's joy was complete in his testimony. He must increase, but I must decrease. So how do we live out this humility that allows Jesus to increase? Well, when other people ignore you or when other people criticize you or treat you badly, instead of being offended, rush to that attitude of humility. When you have success and everything's going well, instead of taking credit or swelling up with a little, you know, I didn't do so bad. I'm a pretty good guy. Instead of swelling up like that, develop rush to an attitude of humility. Cling to that attitude of he must increase, I must decrease. And then also, as believers, we need to be careful to practice humility by acknowledging God's grace for our salvation and anything that's good in our lives. My salvation is not the result of anything I did. It's certainly not the result of me being a good person in any way. And if I have any good works, they are by His grace rather than some kind of inherent goodness in me. So as we remember that it is His grace in our lives, that produces anything of value or anything good in the world around us, then we will see him increase and we will see us decrease for his glory and our joy will be complete. Jesus said, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. And I think at least part of the ingredient, part of the package of that Of what Jesus acknowledged in John the Baptist was that his mission made him great. To prepare people. I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way. Preparing people for that life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. His message made him great. Verbalizing that testimony. This is Jesus. There he is. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And his attitude of humility made him great with that let's think about this let's let's meditate on this for just a moment would you would you bow your head and, and just close eyes and focus for a minute what you've heard not really from me what you've heard from God's word, what you've heard the Spirit saying in your life today focus for a moment on how, how God wants to use this in your life. You're here for a purpose. What is it that God is doing or saying in your life that is leading to the greatness of Christ, that others might see Christ in you, that he might increase, that you might decrease? So first, consider, how can you adjust your life? What changes do you need to make in your life? To prepare people for a life-changing encounter with Jesus. And with whom? Are there particular people that God is pointing or connecting your life to that they just need that soil of their heart prepared to be introduced to the Son of God, Jesus Christ? A second question, with whom, with whom do you need to verbalize a witness of Jesus? Just simply, who do you need to tell it's the Holy Spirit putting somebody on your heart that you know that you need to verbalize? look, Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then third, how do you need to humble yourself? So that Jesus can increase in your life. So that he gets the glory. What are those areas of your life where you need to exercise humility for the glory of Christ? And I would say, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, while we talk about humility, it starts with humbling ourselves acknowledging that God is is God, that Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit is inviting you to salvation, to receive him as Savior, to make him the Lord, the boss of your lives, that you might live in eternal life in this life and forever in the future. Maybe today is the day you need to humble yourselves and talk to Ben or one of the elders about giving your life to Jesus Christ, or maybe, maybe you already know, and you simply need to ask him, giving your life in a spirit of repentance, giving your life completely to him, and then find one of the elders and share with them that you have trusted Jesus Christ. And humility for lordship. Maybe you're struggling with some issues of pride or self-focus now, It could be because things are going terrible or because things are going great. But this morning, in humility, again, just confessing that he is Lord and where you are is by his grace. Give him that glory and allowing your joy to be complete in him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that it always challenges us, but it's always redemptive. It's always encouraging. It always takes takes us to a place closer to you. Truly, Father, in my life, I want you to increase and I want to decrease in the lives of the elders of Crosstown. I, I pray that you would increase and they would decrease in the lives of this body of believers, that you would increase, that we would decrease, that you might be glorified, that this community might be transformed and many come to repentance, salvation, and eternal life. May it be so by Jesus Christ. Amen.